This episode of the Golf Gambling Podcast and the Sports Gambling Podcast Network is brought to you by Edge Boost. Edge Boost enables you to double your bet with no interest. Go to sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash edge to get started today. All right, DGENs, uh, welcome to the Golf Gambling Podcast. It is just me this morning, uh, Steve Shermer, recording at 6.15 a.m. Uh, Monday morning. Uh, Memorial Day. Hope you all are having a good uh, Memorial Day weekend. Um, the reason why it's just me, and uh, you probably already saw on social media, but in case you haven't, um, unfortunately, uh, Boston Capper, uh, Chris, as I'm going to call him the uh, the rest of the way here, uh, he unfortunately suffered a heart attack. Uh, he was experiencing some discomfort on, I believe, Friday morning. Uh, they rushed him to the hospital. Uh, he went in for emergency surgery to put in a stent. Um, he's doing okay now. Uh, he's home from the hospital. He has a laundry list of instructions he needs to do and some pills he needs to take and uh, things he needs to do uh, while he recovers. So uh, we're very lucky that he is still with us. Uh, I'm very lucky that uh you know, I didn't have to lose a friend over this, not just a coworker. And we all hope him to have a very speedy recovery. So for the time being, though, um, probably you'll probably just hear me do solo shows on Sunday morning or well, today. It's Monday for the previews. Uh, and then Matt Gannon is going to um, wor- keep the seat warm until Boston Capper uh, or Chris decides he wants to come back. And we hope he comes back uh, when he's healthy and at a point where when he talks about Rory McIlroy, his blood pressure doesn't spike. So uh, maybe that'll never happen. But it just me this morning. So uh, we're coming off Colonial. Uh, another kind of frustrating week for me. I am in a slump with my betting card. It's also frustrating, too, that for the second consecutive week, I was hovering right around the winner. Um, I did my Wednesday show where we did a final thoughts episode of where the odds were. And I threw out as a long shot pick that you probably might be want to make is uh, Emiliano Grillo. But my card was already finalized at that point. So I felt like, well, I'm not going to add him to my card. Hopefully, if you watch that video, maybe you benefited. But me personally, I got to get off the schneid here. Uh, I was doing very well up until about, well, honestly, up until about I went on vacation. And since then, it's been, uh, not great, but uh, I have a very good, strong feeling about the memorial. Uh, I like some of the research I saw this week. Um, I think there's a lot of really highly correlated stuff between how predictive this thing is and what actually happens in the tournament. And I got a, a, a few key areas that we can focus on to help make good bets this week. So we'll get to that in a little bit. But, uh, you know, to start, why don't we take a quick ad break? Uh, before we get into uh, the memorial. So we're brought to you by Edge Boost. Uh, have you signed up for Edge Boost yet? If not, you're missing out. Edge Boost is the world's first bet now, pay later Visa card. Similar to buy now, pay later programs, Edge Boost enables you to double your bet with no interest and pay back the advance over four equal weekly installments. That's right. It's 0% interest. So simply deposit funds into your account at Edge Boost. And Edge Boost will match the deposit so you can use two times the funds on any legal sports betting site. So Edge currently offers up to $2,500 in advances. Up to $2,500, you can just add your bankroll today. So uh, go to sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash Edge to sign up today. That's sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash Edge. Must be 21 or older to use. Only valid in legal gambling states. Problem gambling. Uh, call 1-800-GAMBLER. All right. So the memorial. 
Uh, elevated event. This is actually the second to last elevated event we'll have uh, before the FedEx Cup playoffs. So all the big names are here. Uh, John Rahm is here. Rory is here. Xander, Patrick Cantlay. Uh, Cal Morikawa is going to be here coming off kind of a ho-hum week at Colonial where I, I mean, look, I didn't watch much of the coverage. It's a holiday weekend. We have a baby coming up in a month. Uh, my priorities, unfortunately, is not uh, staying inside and watching golf at this time of year. But uh, what I caught on Thursday and Friday with Morikawa was, I mean, at least that front nine on Thursday, I don't think he has a very good command of where his tee shots are going with the driver. I, I, it's something that I, I know he's been tinkering with over the last year or so. I think he swapped drivers at the beginning of this year, and it was going pretty well for him. But, man, a lot of just tee shots where as soon as it comes off the face there, just lets the club go to the side, sees it sail off way to the right. The fade is just being a little too fady right now, and it cost him a couple times this tournament. I don't know. Um, I mean, this is a golf course that he's had a lot of success at. He won the Workday Charity Open here in 2020. He lost to a playoff to Patrick Cantlay in 2021, uh, the year Rom had to WD. I believe Morikawa actually whiffed on a chip shot, and that's ultimately what cost him the tournament. And we see it with him sometimes where he can just kind of turn around in an instant. But I don't know. It seems like golf is kind of hard for him at this point. We haven't really seen a great finish from him in a long time. Um, I don't know. It'll be interesting to see what his odds are. I bet him last week. I don't know if I'm going to go back. Uh, but, you know, listen, if if he somehow drifts a little bit and maybe everyone's out on him, maybe it's something I just throw a bet on. But otherwise, though, elevated events, Um a lot of money involved. So if you got one and done, if you still have some big names, definitely use them. I uh, kind of wish that I didn't blow John Rahm uh, at the PGA and saved him for this week, but it is what it is. Um, all right. So let's get to the golf course. So, uh, I mean, there's a lot of previews I've done on uh, the Memorial over the years. And a lot of the, what I'm going to say is pretty much the same. They underwent a really big change a couple of years ago that I'll just uh, touch upon and, Refresh your memory. Uh, so with Murfield Village, so after his win at Murfield at the 1966 Open Championship, Jack Nicholas purchased a large track of land in Dublin, Ohio, which is um, a suburb of his hometown of Columbus, Ohio. Uh, basically, he wanted to create kind of the perfect golf course. Um, he wanted to create a golf course to highlight uh, his career achievement of winning the Grand Slam at Murfield, and he called it Murfield Village. So. He bought the property in 1966, uh, but it took about eight years for him to finish the golf course. Uh, and then he, they started building houses around the golf course and selling it to the community. And there's a, you know, there's a lot of big names that actually live in Murfield Village. Um, Urban Meyer, uh, I believe, still owns a house there. Jason Day used to own a house there, but he's moved off into the suburbs. Um, you know, a lot of members of the Columbus Blue Jackets, they live there. Um, a lot of, you know, money and influence in the area of Columbus, uh, live around Muirfield village. So, um, I, I would probably say, uh, if you ask me to name one thing about Muirfield village, it sticks out probably it's conditioning. It is immaculately maintained. There are very few golf courses as well maintained as Muirfield village is, you know, basically Jack wanted to create 
just pristine conditions similar to Augusta National. And you see it in this place, you know, lush fairway, your lush rough, you know, lush fairways, greens that roll really true and fast. And you never, ever hear about any complaints about, you know, the uh, the playing conditions other than the 2020 uh, memorial that they basically like go to hell uh, because they were going to rip up the golf course uh, right after the tournament. Similar to what we saw at Colonial. The Colonial looked terrible uh, on Sunday, but it's because uh, in a couple hours, they're going to take some bulldozers to the place and redo it. So they didn't really care. Um, but it's more important to touch upon the recent changes to Murfield Village. So after, you know, like I just mentioned, after the 2020 Memorial, uh, Jack ripped up the golf course. Basically, for years, he had complained that you know, the USGA and the PGA of America and all the governing bodies, they weren't doing enough to combat the exploding distances in golf. And he was starting to see his golf course kind of start to get a little antiquated, where just with how far guys were hitting the ball, you know, they were carrying over bunkers, they're eliminating dog legs and hazards that used to pose problems to players. So uh, he decided to just take matters into his own hands and make it a lot tougher uh, by doing a major renovation of the golf course. So among the things he did, uh, there are five key things. And then actually there was a new thing he did this year um, to kind of further toughen the golf course up. So all the greens were resurfaced with bent grass. It, it used to be a bent poem mix. So that's kind of tricky to um, use some course history of this place because before 2021, it was a bent poem mix. Uh, I believe mostly Poa at that point. Uh, this is more of a bent grass mix. And we'll talk about the bent grass and some of the effects it's had on putting stats at this place uh, in a little bit. In addition, every green has a sub-air system installed under the green surfaces for moisture control. Uh, every green was recontoured and reshaped, or almost every green. The only ones that weren't altered were hole number 12, 13, 14, 17. They had a lot of new tee boxes, uh, added about 100 yards of distance to the scorecard. And actually this year, they added new tee boxes at the 7th and 16th, and I added another about 40 yards of distance uh, to uh, the the course. And this year, it's going to play about 7,570 yards, which is a really, really, really big boy golf course. Uh, it's one of the longer ones on the PGA Tour schedule. This is definitely going to be a very stern test tee to green with how long it is. Um, all the fairways and greenside bunkers were completely rebuilt and shifted. Um, you know, the, basically they, he squeezed some landing zones. He added bunkers to, uh, you know, where guys want to put their tee shots, basically making it a little more tuning off the tee, uh, there. So probably the hole that had the most changes was hole number 15. That's the par five. Uh, before players had to play up to an elevated tee, uh, elevated fairway and then downhill to the green. So Jack actually lowered the fairway 10 to 15 feet to kind of level out the hole. So even though the hole plays shorter, he added a bunch of fairway bunkers that are about 285 to 320 off the tee to basically ensure the players need to hit the fairway in order to hit, uh, hit the green in two. And that, that toughened up the, uh, the hole significantly just because now there is something to kind of give some players pause and make sure they really focus and hit a good tee shot. Otherwise they're not hitting the green in two and they're probably not going to make birdies. So um, so after all of that, uh, how did this impact scoring? Well, it actually impacted it uh, pretty significantly. Now we have two years of data uh, to kind of parse through, and both the results are very similar. Uh, I'll take another quick ad break, 
And then we'll get into exactly some of the ways this new renovation uh, changed Murfield Village. So we're also brought to you by the SGPN app. Uh, we're home to all your free picks and podcasts in one convenient app, plus their exclusive free rule contest links. So download the SGPN app for free in the App Store or Google Play Store. All right. So let's go over um, this golf course and some betting strategies and what you have to focus on this week. There, there's, uh, I'll highlight the main stuff here. Uh, there's Off the top of my head, I think there's, there's going to be probably three or four key takeaways that I'll summarize everything at the end. Let's go over some general information. Like I just mentioned, uh, Murfield Village will play at 7,571 yards. It's about 40 yards longer than last year because they've added length and new tee boxes to hole number seven and the par three sixteenth. Uh, the green, as far as agronomy goes, greens and fairways are bent grass. The rough is a ryegrass and Kentucky bluegrass mix. It's four inches in rough. That is really thick for uh, a northern strain of grass. And that's a reason why this place is so penal if you miss a fairway, which we'll get to in a little bit. Uh, I mean, I know up here in Rochester, we haven't gotten a whole ton of rain, other than that deluge we got in the third round. Uh, at the PJ Championship, I would imagine in Ohio, it's pretty similar. Um, everything's pretty firm right now. So unless they've gotten recent rain uh, over the last week or so, ball should be running out pretty fast. It might be difficult to hold a fairway if you hit a dead straight. Um, but this time of year, though, it hasn't been too hot where the grass is still going to be as thick as it probably would be all year. So it is going to be uh, quite a challenge if you end up in that four-inch rough. Uh, the greens are about 5,000 square feet in area. That's a little below PGA Tour standards, and that explains why some there, there's sometimes some uh, low green and regulation rates, which we'll get to in a little bit. Um, as far as scoring goes, Murfreesville it's one of the annual it's one of the toughest golf courses on the PGA Tour. So since 2015, the average score of the golf course is plus 0.85 per round, which is uh, very difficult. However, after the renovations, the average scores ballooned almost 0.7 strokes. It, it, the average scoring the last two years has been plus 1.5 per round, which is very difficult. Like that's that's major championship uh, caliber scoring at that point. And I don't remember a ton of bad weather. There might have been some wind in a couple of those years, but otherwise, though. Like it's been mostly sunny, comfortable temperatures, and this place has just kicked the crap out of these players. So uh, I think just the added length and the new green complexes, and I think it just it made an already really tough golf course just that much tougher. So um, you know the par fives, as far as scoring goes, they're about average in difficulty compared to PGA Tour standards. But the par threes and fours, those are the ones um, that that's the areas where. Murphy Village is really tough. I mean, they're surrounded by a lot of water hazards, deep, rough. They're just tough. So the par threes, only of all active non-major golf courses in the PGA Tour, only PGA National and the Renaissance Club uh, feature tougher par threes than Murphy Village does. Uh, as for the par fours of all non-major active golf courses, only Quail Hollow, Torrey Pines, Renaissance Club, Bay Hill, Riviera, and TBC Sawgrass but have tougher par fours. Then those are all... Big boy golf courses. So Murfield Village definitely separates the men from the boys here. 
Um, and then finally, you know, as I mentioned earlier, this recent renovation added a lot of length to the golf course. Um, before the renovation, the par threes averaged about 285 per hole. And now they're increased about eight yards per hole. So across four par threes, you know, another eight yards, about maybe half a club to a full club difference. You know, that's significant. And then the par fours and fives on average, uh, they're combined 477 yards. That's about eight to 10 yards longer uh, than it was before. So this is a really long golf course. It might be made a little shorter because if there is firm conditions, the ball will run out a little bit. But otherwise, though, and we'll get to the uh, approach shot distribution chart in a little bit. R- a lot of longer approach shots this week, uh, especially if the ball find if you find yourself in the rough, ball is basically going to stop at that point. So you'll be pretty far back. All right, off the tee. So there's some interesting features about this place. Um, so of all golf courses, um, non-major venues in the PG Tour, Merrifield Village only ranks about 13th toughest in the PG Tour. So you know, it's above average difficulty overall in terms of the ability to gain strokes uh, on the field off the tee. But the last two years has played significantly tougher. Um, over the last years, it's played about as tough a place like Bay Hill and Riviera, which uh, generally that is more difficult tee shots, uh, harder to hold fairways. Um, it's tougher there off the tee. So a couple of reasons why it's gotten tougher. Um, for stars, the golf course has been modernized to accommodate the advancement in technology. There's new fairway bunkers, pinch landing zones. The rough has been grown up a little more here too. Uh, Jack, as I mentioned earlier, wanted to make sure this golf course did not become obsolete. And he's done that by really beefing it up off the tee. Um, here's the thing though. So a lot of these holes are really dead straight in front of you. And if you, and the fairways are, you know, it's not, uh, terribly narrow, you know, maybe some landing zones it is, but overall they average about 35 to 37 yards in width, which is fairly generous for, you know, PG tour standards. So, you know, it, this place, especially because there are a lot of forced layups still here, uh, you know, it's, it usually has very high driving accuracy rates. So since 2015, the average driving accuracy rate, rate of the golf course, 71.1%. Uh, last couple of years, it's been just a shade under 70%. So that's one of the higher clubs in the PG Tour. Guys, uh, if you're driving the ball pretty well, if you hit it fairly straight, you can hit a lot of fairways. You can keep in the fairways. Now, that might be a little more difficult this year because of the firm conditions. But otherwise, though, a lot of it's very right on front of you. You don't really have to worry about the ball kind of running through a dog leg like some other places. And then at that point, then you basically just want to pick players just hit it far. But here... Guys who hit it fairly straight have a pretty good shot. Um, and you're rewarded for it. If you are in the fairway with how firm some of these greens are, how contoured, how you know tight some of the pin positions are, if you hit from the fairway, you can get a lot of spin on it. You know, you're at a big edge. But if you miss a fairway, Murfield Village is definitely one of the most punishing to miss a fairway at. So uh, let's start with the rough. I, I mentioned the four-inch Kentucky Bluegrass rough, very thick. Uh, the average scoring difference between balls hit from the fairway and balls that are approached as they're hit from the rough is about plus 0.44. That's the highest difference of active golf courses on the PGA Tour. So it just absolutely murders you if you hit it in the rough here for a couple of reasons. One, you know, I mean, it's thick, it's hard to advance the ball. 
very far. Second, there's a lot of water hazards short of a lot of these greens where if you're in the rough, you're probably not making it over the water. You're bringing the water into play. So there can be car crash potential or you have to lay up short of the water and try and get up and down um, to save strokes there. Uh, there's also a very significant penalty for missing in non-rough locations. Uh, they've added fairway bunkers to the landing zones to make it a little tougher there. And there's also a lot of penalty strokes that you can pile up at Murfield Village between water hazards, out of bounds. Uh, Murfield Village is actually one of the leaders in both penalty strokes incurred and reloads off the tee. So it kind of goes to show that, and we'll get to the relative skill set chart later, this is actually one of the fewer golf courses remaining on the PGA Tour where, you know, accuracy definitely matters a little more than distance. And I mean, distance is still more important, relatively speaking. Obviously, you want to hit it far, but this is a golf course where if you are spraying it, you can definitely get in trouble. You see a guy like Bryson DeChambeau when he was beefed up and tried to overpower this place. And he struggled. He could not figure this place out, even though he won here back in, I think, 2018. When he was having the length, you know, the combination of length and accuracy, then he was just trying to hit as far as he could. And he just, he couldn't get away with it here. He racked up, what, a 10 on uh, the par 5 um, 15th, I think. You know, we all laughed about it. Um, but you see, you know, last couple of years, who are the guys who've done pretty well? John Rahm, Patrick Cantlay come right off the bat. Length and accuracy. Uh, Kyle Morikawa doesn't have all the length, but he hits a lot of fairways, and it, all of them are premium iron players. I mean, those three guys dominate this place. Uh, Scotty Scheffler, he had a really good finish, I think, in the in the year that uh, Cantlay Morikawa were battling um, down the stretch there. Guy with a great combination of length and accuracy. So, um, you know, that is something that's going to be important this week. Um, you know, and then last year, Billy Horschel. You know, not the longest guy, but hits a lot of fairways. Uh, Aaron Wise, you know, back before he was having a bunch of ball striking pro problems, he was fairly accurate and had a good combination of length and accuracy. So definitely those types of guys do pretty well here because they're not just bombing it pretty far. They have pretty good control of their tee shots, and that's going to be important this week. Um, you know, I, I think, you know, if you're looking at strokes gain off the tee numbers, I think you have to figure out where is it mostly coming from? Is it mostly coming from distance and not accuracy? You know, maybe that might not work out for these guys. If it's mostly coming from accuracy or if it's a good balance of both, uh, those are probably the guys I'd rather target for uh, guys off the tee I'd want here. Uh, how about approach shots? So the approach shots at Murphy Village are very difficult. Uh, they're one of the toughest on the PGA Tour. It's the sixth toughest of all non-major active golf courses in the PGA Tour. So even though there are high driving accuracy rates, the green regulation rate here since 2015 is only 59.9%. And the last couple of years, it was 57.3% in 2021, 55% last year. And if these greens are really firm, because we just haven't gotten a whole lot of rain up in the Northeast and the Midwest uh, lately, it's going to be really difficult to hold greens. You got to be a really good iron player to do well here, um, You know, especially with how undulated and tucked some of these pin positions can be. It can be really difficult to get at them. You know, it's it's going to be tough to hit good approach shots this week, even from the fairway. And if you're in the rough, you probably have no shot uh, this week. So the most important thing, though, to talk about is what was the changes between the proximity distribution buckets uh, pre-renovation and post-renovation? Well, in my column this week, which will come out, I think, probably later this morning, uh, I show both charts. I show the one from 2019, 
Uh, didn't use 2020 because that was they let the golf course kind of go to hell. 2019 was the last normal memorial um, before they ripped up the golf course. And then I used last year. And the big difference was you saw a lot of shots shift uh, to be longer. Um, you see this mostly with uh, shots from 150 to 175. Uh, Pre-renovation uh, in 2019, 23% of all approach shots came from this range. Um, in 2022, it's down to 15.9%. All of that pretty much went to uh, shots over 250 and shots between 200 and 225 yards. So now um, looking at shots over 175, just doing rough math here, I see about about 50% of your shots are going to be over 175. And before that, only <clears throat> it was only about maybe 43%. So a significant shift in longer approach shots. You know, I mean, a, less emphasis on from 150 to 175, even though it still accounts for about you know, one in seven shots <clears throat> they hit the golf course. But overall, though, this has definitely shifted it to be more of a longer golf course, especially if you do find your ball in the rough because the ball is going to stop. And at that point, with longer approach shots, you better have either some good club head speed or a good lie. Otherwise, you're probably not making it. Um, around the green. So this is also another area that is significantly tough in Murfreesboro Village. So of all active non-major golf courses in the PGA Tour, Murfreesboro Village features the second toughest around the green conditions. Only TPC River Highlands feature tougher ones. And there's a few reasons. Obviously, the rough is very penal around the green. It's thick, but you got these greens that are really undulated, really fast. You don't really know how the ball's going to come out of it sometimes. So a lot of it is just guessing. And if it comes out wrong, you're probably not going to be very close to the pin out of it. So it's probably going to be very hard to get up and down from there. Uh, the bunkers are also really tough. They are the sixth toughest on the PGA Tour. So, and that's why there are really low scrambling rates at Murfield Village. So last year, the PGA Tour average was 58.3%. Players are only successful getting up and down from off the green, regardless of if it was par or not, just getting up and down in general, 55%. And in 2021, it was even lower. It was 53.6%. So, uh, you got to have a really good short game here, and that'll show up in the types of players that generally do well at this place when we get to it in a little bit. And then putting, you know, a lot's made of these greens. Um, you know, they roll really true, they're fast, they're undulated, but it's actually, you know, it's about average in PG Tour difficulty. Not a whole lot stands out, you know, I mean, either between, and actually the last couple of years, players have had a little bit easier time putting at Murphy Village. They've actually had the ability to gain more strokes and have easier putts uh, at Murphy Village than they did before. And I, it, the only rationale I can think of was maybe the conversion from Ben to Poa to Ben Grass might have had something to do with it. Maybe the greens just roll a little truer now. It's, you know, there's not as many inconsistencies as having a bent Poa green could be. So maybe just having one consistent, really high quality strain of grass across the entire green Maybe it makes it a little easier to roll putts and hole putts too. So, um, so of all the skill sets, though, um, you know, approach play is really difficult. Around the green is extremely difficult. If you're hitting a lot of fairways, you know, off the tee is relatively, you know, not that bad. But if you're missing fairways, though, you don't really have a shot at this place. Uh, this isn't one where you can just kind of blast it all over the ballpark. Um, and then let's talk about the Osmo player profile. So I always include this in my articles. Um, you know, it's a relative skill set chart of 
guys who before a tournament, their skill sets, and then how you can predict how they're going to do. So there's a high correlation of guys who do well at Murphy Village who are really accurate off the tee. Like that's actually a very strong indicator based on this chart. Uh, really good with their irons and really good around the green. That makes 100% sense based on everything we talked about already in this podcast. If you are missing fairways at this place, it's going to be really tough for you. The approach shots are really difficult with how firm the greens are, how small the targets are, how long the approach shots are. So good iron players tend to do really good here. And it's really difficult conditions around the green. Guys who are really good getting up and down do well. And the ones that don't have as strong a correlation, driving distance and putting. You know, it seems like with putting here, it's not as important. You know, I mean, you've seen guys like Morikawa who struggle with putting, putting, but they get on Murfield Village, maybe a little quicker, you know, helps them get to the ball, to the hole there. The bent grass makes it roll a little truer. You can see guys like Hideki Matsuyama do well here too. So you don't have to be a good putter to be, have success here. Uh, and you definitely don't have to be long to have success here, especially if the fairway is going to roll out pretty good this year. It really just seems like accuracy off the tee, approach play, and around the green, as far as skill sets you want to look at before the tournament, if you see a guy check all three of those boxes, it's probably something you want to you know target this week. And then how, what drives scoring? Basically, what drives the variation in total strokes gain? Essentially, how are you better able to separate yourselves from the field? It makes complete sense based on everything we talked about with how the golf course plays and the skill set chart. So there is a so off the tee and putting, there is a much lower effect towards your total strokes gained than on the PGA Tour average. And I have these charts here. Basically, what that means is it is harder to gain strokes on the field, on the greens, and off the tee as you would at other places. And you know, for one thing, with off the tee, it, it is it sometimes it can be less than driver. Sometimes it kind of dictates where you got to hit it. You see this little bit of colonial where. You know, it everyone's kind of jammed together because everyone's kind of hitting the same off, you know, off the tee shots. And then with putting, it's just, you know, you have never have really had to be as good of a putter to do well here. Maybe the fast and undulating greens kind of level the playing surface. So it's harder to gain strokes, you know, uh, holding putts there. But around the green has a very heavy influence in how you do in the tournament. And approach play has a very heavy influence in how you do in the tournament relative to what, um, you know, the average PGA Tour uh, course offers. And that makes sense considering good iron players do really good here. Good scramblers do really good here. And last thing I want to talk about is off the tee. So uh, Data Golf also estimates this. Basically, what contributes most towards uh, your strokes gain off the tee number? Is it distance? Is it accuracy? Typically, uh, in tournament, how accurate you are is actually a better barometer and how far you hit it, even though distance is more predictive for a tournament because you don't really know who's going to hit fairways or not. However, both distance and accuracy had a negative correlation or less of an effect on your total strokes gain number than the average PGA Tour stop. And the reason why, because and, and Dave Elf actually had, I think, a blog about this because they were curious about why that was, was penalty strokes. Um, if there's a lot of penalty strokes at the golf course, especially off the tee, that m is more of a heavy influence in what your total strokes gain is off the tee than driving distance or accuracy. So, but overall, though, 
it seems like is you're targeting guys, accuracy, generally speaking, at Mirfield Village is a better barometer towards success than distance is. Um, when I'm using that stat, though, I tend to look at good drives gained or good drive percentage uh, that I've seen as it, you know, just over the years when comparing like, you know, I take like top 10s and 20s. And I compare the drive accuracy percentages to their good drive percentages. And usually good drive percentages is a little more correlated than accuracy percentages because, you know, accuracy is just did you hit a fairway or not? It's a yes, no question. If it was in the intermediate rough, you're fine. Or if it just kind of leaks into the rough and you still can get to the green, that's fine. Um, so I'd, I'm more concerned with either, you know, if you're in the fairway or did you just put yourself in a position where you're not just going to, you can still hit the green in two, essentially. So I'll be using good drives percentage instead of driving accuracy. Um, I'll be looking at how maybe that influences a guy's total stroke seen off the tee number, even though off the tee doesn't have a big effect or as big of an effect on this golfer towards total scoring. Uh, definitely look at premium iron play. Um, I'll probably be looking at because there is a really big emphasis um, on over 175 yards this week. I'll probably look at over anything over 175, both the proximity and scoring numbers. Definitely looking at around the green play. I'm not going to try and drill down on bunker play or rough play. I just want, in general, a guy who's really good around the green because everything's really tough there. Um, and then I guess I'll look at some Bengrass putting stats, but otherwise, though. Not really going to, you know, I'm not going to discriminate against guys of pretty poor putter from doing well here. It's mostly just going for my ball striking guys, which is usually key to success at any tournament you handicap. So um, that's it. Um, thank you for enjoying uh, or listening to the podcast. Please uh, give us a rate, uh, review, and subscribe on Spotify or Apple. Uh, I know this podcast was not available on YouTube because it's early in the morning and I didn't really feel like getting dolled up for all you guys and putting my uh, tired face out to the world. But if you can go and subscribe to our YouTube channel, uh, give all our videos a like. We give out free content every single week, including if you listen to my Wednesday show, you would have got the winner, even though I didn't pet that guy. So uh, go ahead and rate uh, or subscribe to the YouTube channel. Uh, tonight, I will be back on the mic with Matt Gannon. We will do DFS, uh, and then we'll do the betting show tomorrow. And then, you know, to be determined uh, when Boston Capper, uh comes back and buddy if you're listening to this from uh your bed uh down in uh um st john's area i uh, hope you're doing good i uh, hope you're starting to feel better and uh take your time coming back all right the seat's gonna be here when you're here but uh focus on yourself first so with that uh we will talk to you later